We are so glad that you decided to come and worship with us this morning. Yes, we are. And can I ask you to do something with me? Can we just give Jesus praise this morning? Amen. God, you are worthy of all praise, all honor, all glory. What an awesome God we serve. Amen. Well, again, we want to welcome you this morning. Um, I'm up here just to do a couple extra announcements. Um, I am Shauna, for those of you that don't know me, Pastor Jamie's wife. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are just, again, glad that you chose to worship with us today. Well, today, after second service, we are going to be kicking off our first Connect Luncheon. And if you are new with us, we want to invite you. It doesn't matter if this is your first Sunday, if you've been a few times. We want to invite you to have lunch with us after second service. We're going to talk to you about who we are. You'll get to meet some of our staff. We'll talk about the vision and the mission we have here at Living Word Chapel. And we'll get to share a meal together, which is awesome. So if you would like to join us, we'll be doing that about 12.15 after second service. The other thing that I just felt like the Holy Spirit kind of led me to do is um, if you are married in here today, if your spouse is with you, I just want you to grab your spouse's hands. If your spouse is not here, um, you're standing in the gap for your spouse. So I'm going to pray over marriages. Because I feel like marriages are really under an attack right now, even in the church, mostly in the church. So I want to pray over the marriages um, that are here today. God, I come before you right now thanking you that marriage was your design. Father God, I thank you for your word that tells us what God has joined together. Let no man no woman separate. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for the marriages in this room. God, I pray your protection. I pray that they will guard each other. Father, I pray that husbands will look to you to be able to love their wives, and wives will look to you to be able to respect their husbands. Father, I plead your blood over the marriages in here today, and I ask God, I ask for them to become strong in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And Father, I add to that prayer just uh, joining with my wife, thanking you for the love that you bestow on your people, your marriages, your families. But I extend that to the person and the couple that's watching online. Uh, I pray, Lord, that in the name of Jesus, you will saturate their home with your love and your grace with the strength that they need, with the resolve that they need, Lord God, to navigate through the complexities of life, Lord. It's, it's difficult in this life, but we know that you are bigger than anything we face, and so we give you praise for that, Lord God. And we also, at the same time, pray for the people in Ukraine. Yes, Lord. Lord, we, with everything that's going on in our world, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of craziness that, that without you, we're powerless, but with you, Lord God, we know there's power. So we pray for the ministries there in the Ukraine, Lord. There's many ministries that uh, have been uh, placed there by you to do your work, Lord. And, and, and we just pray for the, the, the women, the children, Lord God, the, the, the everyone that's, that's, that's a part of that. Uh, also pray, Lord, for, for everyone involved, Lord, even, even uh, Putin, Lord, and those choices that are being made. I, I pray that your spirit will move from heaven, Lord God. We come and we implore your wisdom, and we ask, Lord God, we, uh, as always, we submit to your will. We know that your plan is being worked out, but we submit to your will. But we pray. We're people of prayer that pray, Father, for the best to happen in Jesus' name. And we pray this in his name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be in God's house. What a wonderful, what a wonderful group we have here. And I know we have a wonderful group watching online. I want to start out by saying this. God knows our heart. Do you believe that? He, he knows that we can be fickle at times. We can change our feelings like we change our socks. One day, 
Our socks may be the black pair of socks. The next day it might be the white pair of socks. And we constantly are changing them. And how many of you know that our, that our, that our socks, after two or three days, if you don't change them, they start stinking? That's how our feelings are sometimes too, right? They're, they're constantly changing, and sometimes they, they can become uh, stinky. And God cares about our hearts. This is, this is the most important part is not only does he know our hearts, but he cares about our hearts. And in between the passage that we are going to today, we're going to go to uh, chapter uh, uh, 3 of John, John's gospel, and we're going to see uh, a conversation between a religious leader named Nicodemus and Jesus, our Lord. And in that conversation, there's going to be things that are going to be brought forth that are very important to us as followers of Jesus. But in between that and him uh, going into the temple, if you remember last week, he went into the temple and he, he knocked the, the, the tables of the money changers over. He let the, drove the animals out of the, the temple courts and did all kinds of things that was very uncharacteristic, you would think, of Jesus. He had just done a miracle in Cana where he turned the water into wine and all these things that are happening. But in between this, these great passages is this small passage that I don't think a lot of people look at. I want to just touch on this real quick before we go into the chapter 3. Uh, chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. It says this. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration. Let's pause real quick. So Jesus was there at the Passover in the temple. He did all these things that were uncharacteristic as, as we think. Uh, looking back, we can also look from a theological perspective. We know that God was going to, he foretold this to happen. But in that whole uh, time period, he's doing miracles. People's lives are being changed. And it says here, uh, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But the next verse really stands out. But Jesus didn't trust them. How many of you have seen that in scripture? But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. Tell your neighbor, God knows about you. <laughs> God knows everything about me. And the beautiful thing about it is that he loves me despite myself, right? Verse 25. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. He knows what's in our hearts. A lot of times we live our lives with a mask on. Sometimes a religious mask, sometimes a, 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 a happy mask, sometimes a, a, a protected mask, right? We, we, we protect ourselves, but God sees past the mask and he looks into our heart. And so from this, this beautiful text of examination, we go into the, the discourse, we go into this conversation that he has with a religious leader. And this religious leader came to Jesus by night because he was afraid to be seen in public with him. How many of you are, are, are private followers of Christ? Anyone in here? You, just, you, 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 you don't want everybody to know that you follow Jesus. So you go to Jesus at different times and, and, and you want to have this relationship. You, you know there's something different about him. You know he's like, some, like no one else you've ever known before, but you don't know if you want to be all in. This is exactly what was going on with this religious leader. He knew there was something different about Jesus, but he didn't want to be seen with Jesus because Jesus brought a lot of controversy. Remember, he turned the tables of the money changers. He drove out the animals. He did things that were very uncharacteristic of a religious leader. But yet he did miracles that only God could do. And so he comes to this place, and that's where we're going right now. Chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus. Just call him Nico for short. I had an Uncle Nico. Anyone had an Uncle Nico? There was a man named Nico, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. He was of the elite religious class. 
And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, which means teacher, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. See, Jesus says some things sometimes that really go pew, pew. He's, he's talking to him and he, he, he's thinking we're going to have this great conversation. And then Jesus says, unless you're born again, Nicodemus went like, what? Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. But I want you to put that in your pocket. It's important. What do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus, verse 4. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can, uh, and just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Man, that's powerful right there. Verse 9, how are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. Actually, the literal says you are the respected teacher. In the literal uh, translation, it's Nicodemus was the go-to person. He was the religious leader. Jesus says, you are the religious leader, and yet you don't know these things, right? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. Now he puts it into the plural form. He could be talking about the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the, the, the Holy Trinity. He could be talking about the witness of John the Baptist and, and him coming with the, the witness of John the Baptist. But he turns it into plural. Verse 12, but if you don't believe me, back to the singular, when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Jesus is telling them, I'm going to tell you things that are way above your head. And how many of us want heaven explained? Why are we in church? Don't we want heaven explained? Don't we want the things of God explained? Don't we need to know more because of the complexities that we have in our life, the, the difficulties that we face on a, on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis? We had the pandemic. We were in the pandemic. Now we have, you know, a, a, a huge battle that's going on. In, in, in the Ukraine, and, and it's way beyond us, and we try to have an explanation because we know that not only are, are two countries going at it, but the world is, 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 is in it. So we want to have a heavenly perspective, right? And Jesus says, verse 13, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned. That's important for us. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven... And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. He's saying Moses was lifted up this bronze snake on a pole. And when he did, there was victory. In the same manner, the Son of Man will have to be lifted up. How was the Son of Man lifted up? He was lifted up on the cross at Calvary. It must happen that way so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So there is a born-again experience with a show of hands. How many of you guys know the born-again experience? You've heard about it. That's pretty amazing. If you're online... You maybe have heard about the born-again experience. Maybe you have not heard about the born-again experience. I, I, I know that when I became a Christian, this was foreign to me. I would have been just like Nico. 
What do you mean? How am I going to enter into my mom's womb? To be born again. And there's three takeaways that I want us to consider as you think about the born again experience that I think will help you navigate in a way where you learn to trust God more and trust yourself less. How many of you believe that's important? We need to trust God more and trust our religious experience or our, our, or our own flesh, our own abilities less so that God becomes more in our life and we become less. The first thing is that the born again experience comes from above. That's why it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't fit in a religious box. The born again experience is a God thing. It's a supernatural experience that happens. How many of you in, in this service or online, how many of you have a birthday? Raise your hand if you do. Good. So you are really here. <laughs> how many of you were born in a hospital? Lordsburg, New Mexico Municipal Hospital. The Berg. Dr. James Baxter was my doctor. My mom didn't have a name. So he said, name him James. Perfect name. She did. It wasn't some theological name. Maybe later on they said St. James, but no, no, not at that time. She didn't have a name. How many were born at home? Anyone born at home? Yes. We've got some home, not only homeschoolers, but home being born. How many in here were born driving to the hospital in a car? My brother was born driving to the hospital. He didn't make it all the way. That explains everything about my brother John. I'll drink to that. So everyone, everyone has a natural birth. Everyone here was born from parents on this earth. How many of you had perfect parents? I don't see anyone raising their hands. Jace raised his hand in the back. Kim, you ready to go, Kim? I know Art's not the perfect one. Let's give Kim a big hand. The worship leader's son raised his hand in the back, said, I got perfect parents. Oh, my goodness. He's got a rude awakening coming. I, I just loved my parents growing up. And I loved them when they passed. I, lo I just loved them throughout my life. But I'll, I'll never forget the day that I was at a school bus stop. And I had this rude awakening with uh, a friend, neighborhood friend. And he said some things about my parents that uh, shocked me. It wasn't his place to tell me in the second grade about what had happened in my parents' life. But I'll never forget that it rocked my world. And I came to find out that my parents were not this picture-perfect uh, Chinatown cookie-cut box of perfection that I thought they were. And uh, the reality is that all of us fall short of the glory of God. When, when did you realize that you weren't perfect? Well, if you haven't realized, let me tell you, you're not But usually, maybe when you're two years old, you kind of figure it out, right? Even if you don't remember that, that, that you're far from perfect. And uh, we, we come to, to realize, this is important right here, that anyone that has a natural birth, anyone that is a natural man or woman, we fall short of perfection. And so if we've been born from below heaven, on the earth, we all need a new start. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ that he gives us a new start. 
See, my new start happened 29 years ago. My new start came when I came to the end of myself and I found God. And that's exactly what was happening in this, in this narrative right here. You see, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how, how good you are in your own abilities. Every person needs to be born again from above. As John is writing this narrative, if you remember in chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, he said this, as many as received him. Let me pause real quick right there because before he said that, he said he came to his own. He came to the Jewish people and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Okay, Every person who receives Jesus... See, Living Word Chapel is not your salvation. You know who your salvation is? Jesus. As many as have received him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the moment you say yes to Jesus, you place your faith in his name, this very moment is the beginning of your born-again experience. And something incredible happens. Your, your spirit is awakened by the spirit of God. You're regenerated. All uh, the, the internal part of us, our soul, is awakened to the things of God. You can't do that in your, in your natural man. The apostle Paul put it like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. The old James Reese is gone. Now, the devil tries to remind me of the old James Reese. My flesh tries to go back to the old James Reese, but the Spirit of God and the Word of truth keeps telling me, you're new. You're a new person. You're not that same person you were at one time. The Apostle Paul was an enemy of the church. And when he put his trust in Jesus, he was totally transformed from being an enemy of the church to the greatest proponent of the way, a greatest leader of the New Testament church. He wrote more, more New Testament books than any other author. Your life transformation cannot happen without Jesus. Now, if you think you're okay, then I can't change that. In fact, the, 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 the word of God tells me, unless the Father draws you, you're not going to come. So my prayer is I'm preaching is, Lord, I pray you're drawing people. But, but your life transformation can never happen without Jesus. It cannot happen without being born again. Before I came to Christ, I remember as I, as I was growing up, we would do everything we could to make ourselves up, to make ourselves better but always from the outside in. I remember uh, my wife's uh, sister, Cheryl. Cheryl's her granddaughter who sings over here on, on, on stage. And, and Cheryl, um, uh, her grandmother, my, mo my wife's sister, passed away when she was 32 years old. She got leukemia when she was around 30. She passed away at 32 and I'll never forget, um, you know, the, the, the family that her husband, Freddie, was in shambles. Just a lot of stuff that illness and death brings. I didn't know the Lord before Cheryl died. In fact, one of the conversations that I had about Jesus was with Cheryl as I drove her back from University Hospital to Lordsburg, New Mexico, where she had had treatment at the cancer center there in, at, at uh, the university hospital. And she talked to me about the love of God and how Jesus had a plan for my life. I, I, I just came to my mind right now, but, but Cheryl passed away and, uh, and that began the genesis of us questioning faith, me questioning, God, where are you? But I'll never forget that we brought uh, one of her sons down to, to live with us. We love this guy. 
And uh, we, we brought him in, and, and I didn't know the Lord, so the way that I fixed people is I dressed them up. And I, I said, you know, let's go, let's go take you shopping, let's get you some clothes, and, 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 and make him look good and presentable. Because he had so many hurts from his life, so many things that had happened to him. And, and so the way that I thought we would fix him is we would fix him by, by dressing him up, giving him good mannerism, all the things, which I didn't have mannerism, but I thought I did. All the things that we think are important. And, and then when, when we began to dress him up, here's the reality that we ourselves needed help because we needed an internal change and the internal change only comes through Jesus Christ. Yes. See, um, God doesn't want to do a makeover in your life. He wants to do a metamorphosis. He, he doesn't want to just kind of uh, make you over. He wants to rebuild you from the inside out. And so when, when Nicodemus comes, he, he said, how can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? And what we need to grab a hold of is that you cannot enter into your mother's womb when you're old. But you can be transformed at any stage of your life through the power of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? You're lacking what's important in your life without Jesus. The things that you need, that transformation that, that happens in our life, what, what drugs and addiction or, or, or what materialism and pride and, and all the things that we, that we struggle with throughout our lives, it could be a lot of different prejudice. It could be a lot of things that our flesh puts on on a day-to-day -day basis and the world just harnesses more hate, more, more insecurities, more insignificant feelings. All those things that we carry in our lives, they can only be transformed through the power of the living God, and that's what Jesus came to provide. You see, he wanted to give you a new spirit, a new heart, a new life, a new direction, a new Lord. Curios. Supreme in authority. When, when Jesus became my Savior, he also became my Lord. It changed my direction. But let me tell you, I was a Nico for a long time. I was a Nicodemus for at least six months to a year where I would follow Jesus in private. And my friends would call me, hey, bro, I, I'm, I'm hearing that you're not partying anymore. You're not, you're not drinking anymore. Oh, oh yeah, bro, I, I just slowed down a little bit. You're not just slowing down. I wasn't going to tell them that I was following Jesus. Until that day that I did. And when I crossed that threshold and said, hey, bro, I got to tell you, man, I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. They were like, huh? What? No, they didn't say glory. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, Willis? What do you mean you gave your life to Jesus Christ? And progressively, he began to change my heart. He began to, he began to, to fix, align my mind with peace and the things that, that only God can do. Because only God can do the things that need to be done in our lives. And you know this, this, this couple that prayed right now, prayed for marriages? We were the least likely to succeed. When we got married, people said, you're not going to make it. And I said, I know we're not. But you know what? We're going to try it for a couple years. But God had a bigger plan. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, there's someone in here that God has a bigger plan for you. And you think that, that where you're living at, where you have your abode at right now, that that is God's plan. No, no, no. Your, your, God's plan is for you to have your, your home with him. For you to trust in him and, and for you to have his peace, his joy, his patience, his self-control, his faithfulness. Here's the second takeaway. The, the born-again experience enables us to see the evidence of God in our life. You ever sang this song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my 
heart because I want to see you. Let me ask you this question. Do you see the evidence of God in your life? You see, born again, followers of Christ, you see God in everything. So there's a major, major war that is happening right now. How many of us see God in it? How many of us see that God's at work? There is nothing that happens in this life that God is not involved in. He doesn't, he might not be the cause of it because the devil has a way of doing, playing havoc. But he can't do anything without God. And God can turn a bad thing into a good thing. For I know that, that, that no matter what we face, God can turn it into good for his glory and for his purpose. See, you can be very religious and not be born again. How do we know that? The story of Nicodemus. People can esteem you highly. I, I talk about, about my, my upbringing that I went to a church and, and they did a lot of formalities. And I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about myself. Did a lot of formalities, a lot of religious acts. But my heart was so far from God until I became born again. And when I became born again, something radically happened in my life. I started to see God in everything. I worked underground as an underground miner for 13 years before they shut down the, the largest copper producing mine in the world. And I got saved at that mine. And when I got saved, it's amazing how these Christians started to surface. You know why? Because I was able to see from a God perspective. How, how many of you, when you're playing pickleball, do you see the, 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 the followers of Christ everywhere? How many of you, when you're on the golf links, you know, you, you see Jesus everywhere, you know. Lord, this is for your glory. Slice. Oh, the devil made me do that. Right? How many when you're hooping, you know, and for Jesus. Oh, the devil made me come out of there. There's a whole different perspective in our life. When God becomes real. And God can never become real until you're born again. There's some people in here that, that, that I've seen the growth in you. There's, there's individuals in here that you've said yes to Jesus. And in the weeks that we're following, God just opened up your whole vision and your whole lens for him. Like never before. Nicodemus was a great religious leader. The original text said he was the religious leader. He was the authority of all religious matters. Yet he could not see God in front of him. He saw a great teacher. Reminder. They asked me to go pray for someone probably about... 15 years ago, they said, would you go pray over someone? They're, they're, they're in their last days. I went into this house in the Catalina Mountains, took me into some gates. I, on the way over there, I said, Lord, I'm, un, I'm unfit. I'm, not, I'm unqualified. Who am I to go there and pray? The cleaning lady asked me to go pray for him. I walk in the doors, and I, they, they had brought his hospital bed into the living room so that he would be able to to, to chat with me, and as we started talking, he said, he said, Pastor, I've done very well for myself, as you can see. Look at my house. He said, but I'm at the gates of death, and I'm very scared. And I told him, I said, I don't come in the, in the name of a church, but I come in the name of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to fear anything if God is with you. 
And I looked up and he had this picturesque windows. I said, you look at those mountains. I said, the creator that created those mountains loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And his wife looked at me and, she's, and her, his, his wife was a choreographer in Hollywood. And his wife said to me, you know, uh, I said, Jesus has a plan for your life. She said, oh, I think Jesus was a good person. And I think Muhammad was also a good person. I, th- I think uh, Gandhi was a really good person. And, you know, it, there's all roads lead to heaven. And I said, here's, here's the thing. I'm not going to argue with you or debate with you about that. I said, but Jesus never came to be a good person. Jesus never came to be a great teacher. Jesus came to be your savior. And they both started crying. And they both said yes to Jesus that day. And a week later, he passed. And he's in the presence of God forever. Now, now that, that is the, the, the hand of God. But that's Nicodemus. You know, he, he, he had Jesus in front of him. And I've talked to many people who view Jesus as simply a good moral teacher. Or, or they see him as just another person who did good works. Beloved, Jesus did not come to this earth to be a good teacher, even though he was the best. Jesus did not come to this world to be a person of good works, even though his works were miraculous. He came to find those who were lost. He came to redeem us. He came to save us. He came to restore our broken relationship with our Heavenly Father. And we will never realize this truth until you are born again. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. But once you're born again you begin to see him. You begin to see how wonderful God is. You begin to see the reality of God in your life. You begin to hope for the God in your life. You begin to to, to have your eyes open to the faithfulness of God in your life. And you will never see past your circumstances without being born again. In fact, your circumstances will seem like Mount Everest. But when you're born again, your God is bigger than Mount Everest. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through, but the God that I'm talking about is bigger than anything that you're facing. I don't know where your heart is. I don't know where your your anxiety, your fear level is, but the God that I'm talking about, his perfect love will cast out fear. When you're born from above, everything changes in your life. I want you to think about the testimony of the, of the first disciples. The, the, these, these 12 that were following Jesus, and their, their, their faith was radically changed. They, they began... As they progressed their walk with with Jesus, they began to have an anchor for their lives. How many of you find an anchor in Jesus? For all the turmoil, all the turbulence that we have in this world. Peter put it like this. For you have been born again, not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever. Because it comes from the eternal living word of God. There's nothing that we fear as as followers of Christ. There's nothing that we have to fear because we believe in the truth of God's word. We believe in the power of the resurrection of Jesus as Easter is approaching. I'm believing that many, 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 many people are going to come to Jesus. Because the resurrection is real and it's a fact. And it's why we're gathered together because God is real And he's a life changer. What happened to this Nicodemus? After he had this private meeting with Jesus, look at what happened when they they put Jesus on the cross. After he was dead and they they, they put him in, in the tomb, this is what happens. Afterwards, Joseph of 
Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. When Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. With him came who? Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. And he brought about 75 pounds of, of perfumed ointment and he made uh, from myrrh and aloes. And they anointed the body of Jesus and they put him in the tomb. The, the private followers of Jesus, now they say, I don't care who sees, he is the Lord of life. And that, beloved, is what happens to us when we begin to see the goodness of God in our lives as well. Here's our third takeaway. The born-again experience is the entryway to a spirit-empowered life. The Holy Spirit produces a God-empowered life. And you're either going to live in your, in your flesh, that means in your, in your natural abilities, or you're going to live and you're going to walk in the spirit. You're either going to walk in a natural produced life or you're going to walk in a supernatural produced life that comes through a born-again experience. The Bible talks about a carnal life. Carnal is where in Spanish we get the word carne. Anyone ever heard carne? Meat, our flesh. That just means our natural abilities. When we trust our natural abilities, here's the thing. You don't have to trust your natural abilities to go through life, you can trust the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus replied, I, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. We can't have a new birth without the Holy Spirit of promise. He the third person of the Godhead, he, the Holy Spirit, produces what only God can do. The prophet Ezekiel put it like this. Foretelling of the future. He said about the Messiah when he would come, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will take I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You see, we don't follow the letter of a law. We follow the power and the, the writing of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The Holy Spirit produces in us a desire to submit ourselves to the things of God. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He's writing to the church in Corinth. I love it. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along worshiping speechless idols. Pause right there because he's going along with, with exactly what Ezekiel said. You won't be led away to idols. So if you're not born again, if you're not walking under the Spirit of God, there's a tendency and a temptation that you'll worship other things. Are you with me? Do, do you wonder why people fall away? Do you wonder why people struggle? It's because you don't embrace the things of the Spirit. For the Holy Spirit to come and empower us to long for the things of God. Paul keeps on going. He says this, verse 3. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will ever curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're my God. I want to invite you that are watching online and you that are here in person in first service, if you have not said yes to Jesus, I believe that God brought you here today for that very reason. 
more than just to hear a preacher preach and do some songs. God brought you here because of his just intent love that he has for you as a person. And he does not want you to do life on your own. Today is the day that you can start your new birth in Christ. Today is the day that you get a new start, that you get complete forgiveness and redemption from all of your past and all of your mistakes. All of them. That's the love of God. Next week, we're going to talk about the, 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 the pinnacle verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. That's, right, that's in the discourse of Nicodemus. He loves you so much to let you do life on your own. The only way you're going to overcome the struggles that you have right now, the, the, whether it be an addiction, whether it be a, 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 a pride issue, whether it be materialism and thinking, trusting in your wealth, you know, maybe it's bias and prejudice. The only way you're going to overcome all these things, the hate that you have, maybe the, the, the view of God that is, that is distorted, the only way that you'll overcome it is by being born again so that you can see your father from a proper perspective. And I want to invite you. I want to invite you to take a, a hold of the hand of Jesus today and let him walk you through. And a thought just came as I'm going to lead you in a prayer. A thought just came. Maybe when I talked about parents, it triggered something in you because maybe something has happened in your, in your life that your parents have really let you down. Let me tell you something, that the, your heavenly father will never let you down. He's not the same. He's perfect. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. God, I, um, I come to you today. And I confess my need for Jesus in my life. Lord, I'm, I'm tired of trying to navigate through the complexities of this life on my own. I... I can't do it. You know my anxieties, Lord. You know my fears. Lord, you, you know my hopelessness when it comes to things that I can't overcome, whether it's a, an addiction of, of, of drugs, whether it's, it's, it's an, uh, an alcohol problem, Lord, whether it's a lusting problem. You know all these things, Lord, the, the, how, how pride is, is it, it, just, it just overtakes me. But today I come, and I come humbly before you, and I admit that I, I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. Today, I, I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. But more than that, today I, I put my trust in Jesus. I believe that he went to the cross at Calvary and he died for every one of my sins. And I believe that he rose from the dead on the third day just like the Bible said he would. And so I confess Jesus as my Lord. Just say that with me right now. I confess Jesus as my Lord, and I choose to follow him from this day forward. I pray this in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And everyone said amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, just show me your hand real quick and just so we can celebrate with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I see your hand in the back. That was awesome. Praise God. Praise Jesus. I see your hand as well. Praise God. And I know that there are many in, in, that are watching online that, that today you put your trust in Jesus and that's the greatest decision you could ever make. Let me tell you something. From someone that has walked with God for almost three centuries, three decades, not centuries. I'd be 300 years old. You didn't know I was that old, right? You know the pastor at Living Word Chapel? He's 355 years old. But as someone that has walked with the Lord for three de decades, just about three decades, I can tell you that his faithfulness is true. That you'll never find peace outside of him. Our problems don't go away. But here's the thing, our God doesn't either. And he's bigger than our problems. Amen? So whether you have a sore knee or your head hurts or you have something in front of you that's very difficult, God is bigger than that. Amen? Let's stand up and worship our king.
bless you guys. Have an awesome week, and we'll see you back.